if you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. We've got our regular guest back, Jennifer Cachillo, on Horse Chats today, and we're going to talk to her about pre-warm-up exercises, so pre-ride warm-up exercises for riders. So these are just without the horse. These are just warm-up exercise because, as you know, Jennifer is a movement and body awareness specialist for equestrians. And if you'd like to find out a little bit more about it, just go back to chat number 0742, I think it was, um, for her initial one. And, and just listen to that. And um, I'm sure it's going to resonate with anyone who, who wants to ride, who wants to do those warm-up exercises. And for people who are out there competing, so really athletic, need these exercises to warm up. But before we do that, I'd just like to remind you about International Horse College. So International Horse College itself, who's the sponsors of this chat, was born out of a need to improve safety in the horse industry while considering the welfare of horses. So if you're a horse person who holds these values and you'd like to gain government accredited qualifications within the horse industry, then have a look at the wide variety of flexible course options at internationalhorsecollege.com. Talk to the friendly team, but go first to have a look at the courses and I'm sure you'll find one that's going to suit you. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Now, Jennifer, are you there? I sure am here. Jennifer, we're going to talk about some easy pre-ride warm-up exercises for riders today. And these are without the horse. These are the ones where, you know, you can get when you're at the stables before you even get on the horse. So is that right? We don't need the horse for these exercises? We do not need the horse for these exercises at all. Um, now, I always find it interesting that we got on our horses and we, quote unquote, warm them up, but we don't warm ourselves up. And, you know, I do movement and body awareness and a lot of the things when we're in the studio, they're, you're on the ground or, you know, whatever. But, you know, you're at the bar and I'm like, no, we don't really want to lay down on the floor and do this, that and the other. So I've come up with a variety of things that you can do to kind of get yourself ready to ride all standing. And we're going to talk about 10 of them today, but I really wouldn't expect, I mean, I would love it if someone did all 10 of them. Well, I'm about to do all 10, Jennifer. So I'm not going to go and jump on a horse straight away, but I will be doing all 10 as we go through. (laughs) And I hope all the listeners do them as well. But these are things that if you go to the barn, you might find two or three of them. And I'll tell you the ones that I do. And if I don't do them before I get on, I go, oh, shoot, I forgot to do them. And sometimes I'll even hop off and do them standing there right next to my horse and having him look at me going, oh, you are such a dork, but thanks. Um, so for me, these are important for a couple of reasons. A, just we're warming our horses up, we're going to slightly raise our body temperature when we do this. And when we do this, it helps all of the synovial fluid in all of our joints to raise up a little bit and get a little bit more viscous so that all of our joints move a little bit more smoothly. So that is always a a good thing. It also 
hopefully we'll maybe get our blood pumping a little bit. It's not going to be a lot, but enough to start oxygenating all of our tissues so that, again, that we're getting into a better state to be athletic. Um, and then the third thing, um, here in Chicago, where I live, I unfortunately, if you're in the city, to get out to your horse, it's going to be about a good hour's drive. And so um, by the time I get out of the car, I'm at the age now that I feel like I'm like kind of unfolding myself out of the car. Or if you have a desk job and you've been sitting all day and then you have to get up, people are just stiff. So I've come up with some things to try to help people unstiffen themselves. I don't think that's a real word, but um, but um, to get ready to just move a little bit. Um, so I'm hoping that everybody out there can just move along as I describe all of these wonderful things. So um, are you ready, Glennis? Are we ready to do this? I certainly am. I'm ready to go. Okay. She's ready to rock and roll. All right. So the first one we're going to do um, is based, um, it's a Tai Chi warm-up. So anybody who's ever done Tai Chi has probably done this. And what I like about this is once you get going, you'll see that it really gets literally every single joint in your body moving. So how you're going to do this is you're going to stand up with your um, legs together, your feet together, and you go hinge forward from your hips a little bit and you're going to place your hands on your thighs. And then you're going to use your hands on your thighs to make little circles with your knees. So you're going to be, as you start to circle around and keep your hands on your thighs, you'll feel that your ankles start to move, your knees start to move, your hips start to move. Because your hands are attached to your thighs, your wrists move, your elbows move, your shoulders move, everything in between moves. So you're getting this really nice, easy, it's not hard to do movement, and then you're going to reverse and you're going to go the other way. And I would do this probably in each direction, maybe a minute, and I would change directions two or three times. So you're going to do four to six minutes of this. The other thing that it really does is it really challenges your balance a little bit because you're asked to do this with your feet together. Um, and again, it's moving everything because what we're doing is something called a closed chain exercise, meaning that everything is attached. Your feet are attached to the ground. Your hands are attached to your body out in space. So I hope that's pretty clear. It is. I'm glad you said go both ways, but I'm interested. I went anti-clockwise first. I mean, what do most people do? Do they go clockwise or anti-clockwise first? It's funny you say that. I would start counterclockwise. And I'm what, are you right-handed or left-handed? Right-handed. Right-handed. And I'm right-handed and I would go counterclockwise first as well. But <laughs> I have never really paid attention to that. I'm going to start asking people if you're left-handed, if you usually don't start to the right first. I just wondered, you know, I know that as a rider, sometimes you do tend to, you know, like climb through a fence 
certain way because you're used to mounting and, you know, stretching certain muscles. And I know we should all, you know, mount on the offside, mount on the near side equally, but, you know, I don't. I don't think we should. Does, we should all practice you know. that. <laughs> Usually this kind of stuff has to do with your handedness more than anything. Um, but I'm going to have to check that out because I have to say, I do not know the answer to that. So, all right. So that is a quick and easy one. Well, that one actually takes a little bit more time. I'm going to say four or five minutes to do, but I really like that it gets everything going. Um, now, the second one is the simple, most easy thing you do for yourself, frankly, whether you're riding or not. And that is just massaging your occipital joint. For those of you who don't know what your occipital joint is, it's your pole. It's where your head attaches to your neck. And very often, again, because we sit a lot, we're, we sit and we look at our telephones, our head is bent down, we tend to get really tight there. So it is the first joint of your entire spine. So luckily, if that joint is loosened up, that looseness tends to go and travel all the way down your body. So what I would invite you to do is just using either both of your thumbs or one hand, just really massage in that, and you'll feel it. It's, there's an indentation at the base of your neck, uh, sorry, the base of your skull at the top of your neck, and you really want to massage massage, not only in the indentation, but you'll feel um, tendons on either side of that. Really get into there and move that around. And what's interesting to try, you can do actually do this one mounted. I tend to do it on the, off the horse. But it's a kind of a fun experiment is to get on your horse, not do any warm-up, and just walk around on a long rein or start trying and post without doing that, but just really feel your body. And then stop and then rub your pole, rub your occipital joint for, you know, 30 seconds to a minute and then go right again. And you'll feel the difference in your body. You have to be pretty body aware, but if you really kind of just go, okay, I don't really care if my horse is on the bit, that's not what I'm feeling. I want to feel a flow. I promise you that by doing this, you will feel more of a flow. And it's super, super easy to do. All right. So the next one we're going to do is one that I literally do every single time before I ride. And if I forget, I will get off and do it again. Do it. So, and that is skipping in place. But it's skipping in place or you can actually do real skipping down the barn aisle. I will do that too. People just roll their eyes at me and go, oh, she is one crazy <laughs> lady. But skipping is not just skipping. It's skipping, but it's also twisting as much as you can in the skip. All right? So what, what this is doing a couple of things. Skipping, it's going to get your heart rate up a little bit. It's going to warm your body up a little bit. So we're going to get that lubrication. We're going to get that oxygenation. It also is going to get every single joint in your body moving in a similar way to the Tai Chi knee circles, because when you're twisting like that and you're picking your legs up and moving everything, all of your joints are kind of going through a big range of motion. But for me, the most important thing about this is that 
you are going to, as you twist, cross your midline. So your bottom half will go to the right and your top half will go to the left. And then you will switch and switch and switch and switch. And as you do that, you're waking up the coordination between the left side of your brain and the right side of your body and the right side of your brain and the left side of your body. I tend to not be the most coordinated human on the planet. And so for me, this cross-coordination exercises and the next one is is the same in terms of cross-coordination. Oh, I'm just thinking about that whole skipping in play. It's different, isn't it? You know, like skipping, but it's the twisting and the bringing the knee around. And, and I suppose another thing to check is just to make sure that you're able to twist an equal amount. You know, like if you're able to twist more to the right, more to the left. Right. It's just going to show your imbalance from right side to left side. And over time, that will get better. The other thing I find really interesting is to, you know, people would either have to have somebody watch them or do this in a mirror. There are certain people that don't really know how to skip. And I'm going to use, I'm going to explain this <clears throat> by using a horse's canter. Because if you think about it, skipping is almost like doing single tempi changes. Skip. It's kind of like doing a tempi change, okay? And in order to do a good tempi change, the most important thing for those of you who don't really ever do them, but the most, really the most important thing is having a quality canter, a really good three beat canter. In order to do that switch, all right? Horses that don't have good canters canter what's called laterally. So instead of going one, two, three, they almost pace. They do the right side, right legs, then left, if they're on the left leg, right legs, left legs, right leg, left leg. They're pacing. They're essentially pacing. All right. This means that their coordination, something is not right in their coordination and they do the same, the same thing. People can't skip well, will do the same thing. If you skip, you use your right leg and your left arm and then vice versa. And people that don't know how to skip will do right side, right leg, right leg, right leg, right arm, left leg, left arm. And so they're, they're lateral in their thing. And it's actually something that I would, will br- completely break down for someone who is like that to try to get those brain, that brain body connection working properly. I find people who have, and this is going to be important for your instructors out there, I find people who have a hard time cantering. They can't get the swing right. They, they post the canter. Will oftentimes not be able to skip. And if you teach them to skip, they will then be able to follow the motion of the canter. Isn't that interesting? That's a, certainly a good one that um, I didn't know, but that's, a, that's an interesting one. Yeah. Okay. It's really fascinating to watch. It may be a little over the top there, but it's really it's very fascinating to me. So, for those people who can't skip or have a hard time skipping or don't want to skip, I'm moving on to the next thing, and that's just bringing your elbow to your knee. So again, you're doing it cross crosswise. So I'm going to take my right elbow. 
I'm going to pick up my left leg and take my my left knee with my right elbow and set it down. And then I'm going to do the opposite, then the opposite, and then the opposite. And again, you're getting this crossing. You're getting the coordination, the diagonal coordination. And then there's the second part of that. So that is bringing your legs and your arms forward. Then you can also, let's say, lift your, let's say, left heel up and touch it behind you with your right hand. Uh, okay. And then. So you do go the opposite. The opposite. So again, we're doing opposite diagonal movements. Again, to really wake up that brain-body connection and also the right side, left side of your brain connection. You know, I tend to be um, very left-brained. I tend to be very analytical about things. But really riding, you have to be analytical to a certain point. But it's that feeling side that to me makes you, it takes you that step above that feel, that natural, you know, people who naturally ride really well that I go, uh, they tend to be right-brained people. They, they, they feel better. But those are also the people that I say to, guys, that's not a 20-meter circle. That's an amoeba. That is, you know, you need to be more accurate. You're always drifting to the right over the fence. You're not looking ahead. So they, it's, you know, you've got to have both. And these exercises will help with that. Um, so not only is it doing something great for your body, and it can also do something great for your brain, and if you do that at a quick pace, you don't have to do it at a quick pace, but if you do it at a quicker pace, you're going to, get again, get your heart rate up and get your temperature up. So also good things. I think what I like about all these exercises, Jennifer, is that you're a movement and body awareness specialist. That's great because, you know, we need people who are complementary, but you're also a rider. You understand what it takes for a rider to be an athlete, and you're not just giving us a whole lot of random exercises these exercises are specifically for riders and and I love that you know I, I love that all these exercises are are relevant to the rider I'm particularly intrigued about those you know the posting canter which is a common problem for people when they're learning the canter about teaching them to skip I think that's a great tip anyway yes okay so I've got the elbow to knee and the hamstring stretch okay okay so a hamstring stretch so so here we go. I mean, again, so many people sit for work. They drive a lot. And that just will automatically shorten your hamstrings. Okay. Also, I don't think it's as big of a deal anymore as it used to be. But women used to wear a lot of high heels. And that too just shortens the whole backside of your uh, leg. And you say, well, why does that matter? Well, it matters because if your hamstring is short, it's going to put your pelvis in an incorrect position. It's not going to allow your leg to hang straight underneath you. So it's going to affect your posture, not only when you're standing and walking around in your daily life, but it's going to really affect your posture when you're riding. And without good posture, without your bones in alignment, 
you don't have good balance. If you don't have good balance, then you have tension in your body. If you have tension in your body, then you can't follow the motion of the horse. And so it just cascades down. So hamstring stretches. We can do these in a couple of different ways. Um, you can just make sure that your legs are in a good alignment. So your ankles, your knees, and your hip sockets are all in alignment. And then I like to actually put my hands on the outside of my pelvis. So I, my elbows are bent, my hands are there. And then I do a straightforward hold. I keep my back flat. I hinge hopefully 90 degrees. So my torso is parallel to the ground and my legs are perpendicular to the ground. And then from there, to get even more of a stretch, you can take your two seat bones and try to lift your seat bones to the sky. So your hamstrings attach up to your seat bones. So it's going to give you more of a stretch. So that's one way to do it. The second way to do it is making sure, and I should say this with the other one, make sure that your weight is equal on your feet, not on the balls not on your heels, not on the inside, not on the outside, but absolutely square standing down on your feet. So you can do that and then sort of dive over and do a complete forward fold. So your arms are hanging down to the ground. That will get a a little bit different stretch. And again, to really get into that hamstring, you can think about lifting those seat bones up. It will create a little bit more tension. So those are two you could do in the tack room. If you happen to be out in the arena and you have a fence or you have a chair, you can lift one leg up and put it on the top of the fence or on a rail of the fence. And again, lean over and get a stretch that way. But I think getting a good hamstring stretch for many, many people is just a really positive kind of thing to do. Can we talk a little more, Jennifer, just about the ankles, the knees, and the hips in alignment because I think this is something that comes up again and again. And even, you know, we do a lot of coaching, teaching people how to teach people how to ride. And it comes up and I find myself explaining this whole alignment again and again. People are trying to get their toes in and and they're, you know, they're putting the weight onto the outside of the foot and they're the whole alignment, can you just go into a bit more depth there about the alignment and about how important that is? Absolutely. You know, here's the thing. Whatever you usually are doing with your body when you're not riding, probably what you're going to be when you are riding. So if you watch people, I don't know, walking down the street, you'll see many, many, many people walking a little, I'll call it sort of duck toes, so your toes are out. You see a lot of people, if you look at the bottom of their shoes, they'll be worn out on the heel, on the outside of the heel, on, you know, any part. So that's telling me that they are not walking evenly. So to get to that place, to get those joints lined up means you have to be doing that. You, you can try to do it in the saddle, but it's a lot easier to cross it off the horse. So if I'm standing up and I want to be in good alignment with my legs for just walking down the street, first have to know where your hip joints are. And I can't tell you how often I'll go to teach a clinic and I'll have a group of 10, 15, 20 people. And I'll say, 
point to your hip joints and they go to the outside of their bodies. Your hip joint is in the front of your body. It is, um, if you go from your pubic bone, it's in alignment with, they're both in alignment with your pubic bone, depending on how big you are, maybe three or four inches to the right and the left. You know, they are, they shine out in front of you. If you had a flashlight and held your flash flashlights at your hip joint, they're going to point straight ahead of you, not to the right and to the left. That's the first thing to know is where the heck are my hip joints? They're in front of you. Then if you look down, your cap, the middle of your kneecap should be right in alignment there. And then your the middle of your ankle should be right there. The easiest way to find that is to actually look at your feet, all right? So if you look when you're standing and you look down, I don't want people to look at their big toe. I want them to look at their second toe. And I want those toes to be absolutely straight ahead. And people, nine times out of 10, if I tell them that's a straight foot, they'll say, oh my gosh, now I feel pigeon-toed. Because most people walk in a turnout position. So to even find that straight position standing is not such an easy thing. And then they'll be like, oh, but this is pulling heat. I feel, I feel tightness on the outside of my thighs, or I feel the inside of my calves. That's because the muscles in your legs are used to pulling your legs to a turnout position. So even just standing like that, and then again, kind of rocking around on your feet and going, oh yeah, here's the middle of my feet. Oh shoot, I want to always stand on the outside of my feet. No, force yourself to on the middle of your feet. When you are standing in the line at the grocery store, shoot yourself. Oh, shoot. Standing only on my right leg. I'm not standing on my left leg at all. I'm standing. Check yourself. Check yourself. Check yourself. And then start to try to walk like that. We'll feel very, most people feel very, very awkward because they have mimicked people in their lives or they have injuries or whatnot and walk walk in uh alignment and then that feeds right into how you ride now when you get in the saddle you are because obviously the horse is wider than your distance part in order to get your legs part it has to do with really the the um, anatomy of your hip joint and the the way the ball of your femur fits in there. Some people have to be in a little bit of a turned up position, but that turn up has to come from your hip and then your hip, your knee, and your ankle still have to be in alignment. Is that making sense? That absolutely does. I think that explains it very well. So the line between your hip and the knee is the same as between the ankle and the toe. Yes, and it should go straight up there. And I I find, for me, when I'm trying to I, I go, okay, guys, where your hip, where are your hip joints? Got it? Okay, good. And now find that second toe 
and line that second toe straight forward and in the same space as your hip joints, and you will be in alignment. Stop. I need to interrupt this chat for a hot off the press notification. That is, that the latest version of the book, 101 Careers in the Horse Industry, is now available, and the best news is that it's a free download. So if you work in the horse industry, if you have a plan to work in the horse industry and have a career in the horse industry, or if you know someone who plans to have a career in this fabulous industry, then this is an essential book for you to read now and then keep as a reference as you progress through your career. With over 100 jobs to choose from, you'll probably find at least one that you'd happily do without being paid. So simply go to internationalhorsecollege.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page and click on the 101 careers in the horse industry button to receive your free career book. Imagine, maybe one day you could be a guest on Horse Chats. I, I think that explains it very well. I think anytime someone asks me now, I'll say, oh, by the way, go back and listen to this chat because that was a good exercise. I think for people to realise that that does have to be an alignment and by being an alignment, you know, the fact that you, your knee is out, then your toes can be out a little, you know, to have that straight line between the hip and the knee is the same as between the ankle and the toe. Yep, no, that's that's perfect. And usually, you know, I find that people who, you know, you're saying, oh, I, people will put too much weight in the outside of their heels. Those are the people if you got off the horse and you watch them walking, they're walking on the outside of their heels. And if you lift up their shoe, the outside of their heel is worn down and the inside isn't. It's just continuing on what they normally do in life. Um, so when you try to correct that in the saddle, it feels really foreign. And it is really foreign to them. Um, so Yep, yep. All right, there that you sounds have good. Next exercise, I'm ready for it now. <laughs> All right. Well, so the next thing we're going to do is the standing pelvic clock. You know, for me, what's so important in riding is to make sure that you have good pelvic movement. And usually I we do these pelvic clock exercises laying down, but um, we can do them standing up. So um, your question about good alignment is perfect here because we want to do these in a good leg alignment. So again, I'm going to have my second toe facing straight ahead. I'm actually going to take my stance a little bit wider than hip distance apart, but I'm going to keep second toe straight ahead. So, um, and what's ever comfortable. And then you're going to bend your knees a little bit, just soften your knees. Your hands are just going to be down by your side, or you can hold your hands in a riding position. It doesn't matter. And from there, you're going to take pubic bone, which is the six on a clock. So belly button's the 12, my pubic bone is the six, and then on either side of my pelvis is the um, three and the nine. So I'm first going to pull the six up, and then I'm going to push the six back. And I'm going to pull the six up, and I'm going to push back. So I'm getting movement in my two hip joints, and I'm getting movement in my sacroiliac joint, I'm sorry, sacrolumbar joint. So I'm moving that pelvic, the pelvic um, into a pelvic tilt, and then to the tilt the other way. So it's a posterior tilt and then an anterior tilt. We're just swinging that nicely back and forth, back and forth, and back and 
forth and back and forth, just kind of getting that movement, which is so important to be able to follow the movement of your horse. So that's the first movement of the pelvic clock. Then you're going to imagine that now your pelvic clock is actually a pelvic steering wheel, and you're going to lift one side of your pelvis up and let the other slide down, and then you're going to switch and switch. Now, the important part about this is that your knees are going to stay relatively in the same place. So you're going to get some stretch in your waist. You're going to get some stretching the outside of your quads, and you're going to be moving in more of an up and down movement, which is another way that your pelvis can move. And again, if you've ever seen a horse's back from the top, I always encourage people to go and watch the horse being from the top because you can really see how their back oscillates both forward and back and up and down. Then the last movement we're going to do is we're going to, again, keeping your knees crouched down, we're going to push one hip joint forward and then back to sort of neutral, the other forward and back to neutral, opening and straightening that hip joint up. So we're just trying to find different ways to move our pelvis around. You can do little pelvic circles in both directions, but while you're doing to keep your shoulders relatively still, your knees relatively still, so that your pelvis moving kind of your knees and shoulders, which is exactly what it does when you're riding. So your knees stay relatively still when you ride, your shoulders stay relatively still when you ride, and almost all of the motion is um, translated from the horse through your pelvis. I can feel this exercise is very good for... Um people just developing the feel of what's happening underneath them. You know, even just picking up the sequence of legs at the walk, you know, just to feel and following the movement in the sitting trot and the canter. And yeah, I think good exercise. Absolutely. And, you know, another way to use this or uh, to help, it's another thing I do to people. If people have a hard time figuring out how to keep their hands still, I will take them off the horse and I will walk them up to a wall and I'll have them make fists and put their fists on the wall and then be about, you know, uh, put my arm in a riding position and I'll do all this pelvic work with my hands up against the wall because now my pelvis has to move in all different directions. My knees don't move, my shoulders don't move, my hands don't move. Because usually what's causing hands to move around is either tightness somewhere in the pelvis or tightness in the shoulders. So it's really great biofeedback to go, oh, I do have to disassociate what's happening in my pelvis with what's happening in my shoulders and my hands. So another good way to use this exercise, not just regular warm-up for your ride. So we're not just using these for warm-ups, we're actually using them to improve the rider's position as well. Absolutely, while, while they're actually moving. So to, to, to try to, again, explain to your brain that, oh, this motion in your pelvis and disassociating it from your hands and your arms is possible. 
sometimes the body needs to understand what is possible. And it is possible. Okay, good. Yeah. This next one I call crazy walking, and it is a little crazy. Um, By now, already at the barn, everyone already thinks we're crazy. So a bit of crazy walking, what's it matter? You know, we're doing a whole lot of exercises. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, here's one. If your horse is out in the field, you can go do, walk out to get him and back in, and it will be more than, well, assuming you have to walk a little ways, kind of get this motion going. It's great for your balance. This is also an unbelievable exercise to increase the mobility in your ankles, your knees, and your hips. So what I like to do for this, just to show people how much impact this has on their hip joints, is to do this with people's fingertips on their hip joints. And this really does take some walking. You can actually do it standing as well, but it is definitely more effective if you're walking. And what you're going to do is what I like to do first is just like, let's say I'm doing this in the barn aisle. I walk in the barn aisle and I just kind of don't think about it, not overthinking, walk down the barn aisle and just feel the quality of my movement and the quality of my body just walking down the aisle. Then I start my crazy walking. So let's pretend I've got a pretty decent, I've got a 20 stall barn. I've got a pretty good long aisle. I'm walking the entire aisle up on my toes. And then I'm going to turn around and I'm going to walk all the way back on my heels. And I'm going to turn around and I'm going to walk all the way down the aisle on the outside of my feet. And then I'm going to walk all the way back on the inside of my feet. Then I'm going to walk down the aisle and I'm going to walk on my toes, on the balls, on the outside, on the inside on the toes, on the balls, on the outside, and the inside. Then I might do that up and down aisle a couple of times. Then if you're really crazy, you're going to do backwards. You're going to walk backwards on your toes, backwards on your heels. You're going to walk backwards on the outside of your feet. You're going to walk backwards on the inside of your feet. And then going to leg yield your way down the aisle the proper way, which would mean your outside leg goes in front of your, let's say I'm, let's say I'm leg yielding left. Usually if I'm doing that, the right leg will cross over my left. So I'm going to go down the barn aisle that way. And then I'm going to leg yield back with my left leg crossing over my right. Then I'm going to leg yield again the wrong way. I'm going to take my right leg behind my left leg. And let me tell you, that is not easy to do. And then I'm going to leg yield back, and I'm going to take my left leg behind my right leg. So you've got coordination, coordination issues. You have balance issues. You've got all of the joints in your legs doing all kinds of crazy things. And then once you've done all that, I want you to walk again and feel, I promise you, you will feel lighter and more buoyant and more elastic. If you want to add to this, you can start doing the crazy walk and wiggling your arms around and circling your arms. You can get as crazy as you want. But the real, to me, the real benefit is the stuff for the lower body. And it really is an amazingly um, fun, interesting exercise. I love doing it with 
a group of people in an indoor arena and I've got 20 or 10 people all in a line and we're crazy walking all over the place. And it's, and it really is super, super effective. <laughs> and coordination, you know, by the time you bring in the leg yield, the walking on the heels or the side of your leg and then the shaking the arms, it's... Uh... Yep, it's very coordinated and walking backwards, it's it's a lot. Um, and uh, it's a good one. It's a really good one. I had a gal at one of the barns. Um, she actually took one of my clinics, but it was at the barn that I rode at had my horse at the time and you would just see her skipping all over the farm and crazy walking all over the farm and she was like I just love this she was just <laughs> uh, yeah so anyway it's a good one the crazy walking it is it is yes and we know who's been to what clinic if they uh, if people start walking around like that it's almost like a secret code isn't it I walk like this because I know how to do crazy walking yep <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. So um, the next one I'm doing, is, this is a super easy one, shoulder rolls, but I do them differently because again, so many people work at computers, so many people drive, they tend to be a little folded in, in their sh- with their shoulders collapsed in their chest. And there's so many instructors who are going to say, oh, you know, bring your shoulders back, bring your shoulders back. You need to open up your chest. Absolutely. But what I find that happens when people do this, um, a regular shoulder roll. So if we just do a regular shoulder roll and we bring both of our arms back, you, I feel tightness happening in between my shoulder blades when I'm bringing my shoulders back. And then if you hold it back there like that, there's a lot of tension. And if there's tension, then the movement of isn't going to, the, the energy isn't going to move through your body in a nice flow. So I like to do the shoulder rolls a little bit differently, and I find them to be much, much more effective. So we're going to do them one at a time, and we're going to do them in three parts. So I'm going to start with my right shoulder, and I'm going to just bring it forward just a little bit, maybe a half an inch. It doesn't have to come forward very much because we're already forward, right? We're going to take it up just a little bit, and then we're going to go roll it way, way, way back. Roll my arm with it, and then let it flop down. Then you're going to do the other arm a little forward, a little up way back and flop. So I guess it's four parts. We're going to do that on the right side again, a little forward, a little up, way back and flop. Left side, a little forward, a little back, a little up, way back and flop. And if you do that side to side, to side, to side, to side, to side, you will find that your arms end up much further back and that your chest is much more open, but you don't have the tension in between your shoulder blades. They're not being held back. They've been shown where they should. It's just a bit of a different mindset, um, but I find it quite effective. I think that was the main thing that I got out of it was that, um, you know, you bring both shoulders back. Traditionally, you know, both shoulders back, but just doing it one and also allowing it to come just a little forward and then going back and then one at a time, I, I think you're right. I think that um, certainly does release that tension between the shoulders at the back. Yep. So that's another good one. Yep. All right. The next one is a standing roll down. And we talked a little bit about this when we were talking about the hamstring stretches, but I said just flip over to do the hamstring stretch. This is going to end up being a hamstring stretch as well. However, the focus is a little bit different. So we've talked about the occipital joint needing to move. We've talked about the pelvis 
needing to be, you know, uh, mobile. We've talked about all of our leg joints being mobile. Um, and now we're going to talk about um, our spine being mobile. And again, most of us have places in our spine that just aren't as mobile as they used to be. And they, they you know, they should be, but they're not. So we're going to do a, a standing roll now. Again, what are we looking for? That first, or I'm sorry, second toe facing straight ahead. Ankles, knees, hips in good alignment. Okay, before I even move, I think that someone grabs the back of my head, not the top, but the back of my hair, and slightly lifts up and comes, brings my head up a little bit. So then I'm going to drop my chin down a little bit, just a little bit. And then I'm going to start to roll down. And what I'm, I'm going to do this super, super slowly. What I'm trying to do is roll bone by bone by bone by bone by bone by bone all the way down until I'm all the way down. What I like to do once I'm down there is just shake a little bit. So it's like if my spine was um, a rug and I wanted to shake the dust out of it, I'm just going to shake a little bit, shake, 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 roll, move it around a little bit. And I'm going to tuck my tail under and I'm going to slowly start to roll up one bone at a time. All right. So we're going to, you can do that, I would say twice like that. Then what you're going to do is you're going to rotate your breastbone maybe an inch to the right. You're going to do the roll down again in this slightly diagonal position because you're going to get the little bit different fibers along your spine as you roll down, slightly rotated to the right. You're going to come back up, slightly rotated to the right. Guess what? We're going to rotate a little bit to the left. We're going to go down and up. Then we're going to go to the center and we're going to go down and up. Slow, slow, slow. And each time you're all the way down, bottom, I want you to shake a little bit. Just move everything around. Jiggling is highly underrated. I love jiggling. I love shaking out. Um, and so shaking out is good. You can, even as you're coming up, rolling up, you can quiver, shake a little bit to try up, just jostle all those little muscles that are kind of, I'll say tie, they're kind of like shoestrings, you know, at the top of a tennis shoe, they're interlaced muscles that run through your spine. And so to kind of just jiggle those around, hey, let go, stretch a little bit, move a little bit, super, super good one um, to do. And if you want to kind of kill two birds with one stone, you can combine that with the hamstring stretch. So while you're down there and before you roll up, you can press your seat bones up to the sky and get a little bit more of a, of a hamstring stretch before you focus again on your, on your spine. But I was a bit worried. I thought you were going to come, thought you were going to combine it with the crazy walking. I thought I'm just not that well coordinated. <laughs> you know what? Then I would absolutely fall over. It would be done. Yeah. I'd be done. I would be done. It would not be good. It would not yeah. be good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So nice, easy, um, just roll it up and down. And over time, you know, the first couple of times you might do it, you might feel like, oh, my God, I don't have, you know, seven thoracic vertebra and five lumbar. I feel like I have two vertebra. It's goes chunk, chunk. 
that's okay. Over time, all these things will start moving a little bit better and it will, it will, you will get it. You will get it. I, bodies have an amazing ability to rediscover what their abilities are. So, um, I'm completely sure. Yeah. Okay. I, I did find that as I went going with my chest in the middle, as soon as my chest was to either side, it was almost like I wanted to straighten it up again, but you've got to just keep insisting, yeah. haven't you, that you do that, yeah. take your time, don't hurry it, then go back the other way. Yep, exactly, exactly. And don't push it. You know. And one thing I didn't mention, I should have mentioned this at the very beginning, and I didn't, that, you know, if if any of these things, you're, you know, you've had something that your doctor says, hey, you shouldn't do this. You know, you shouldn't put your head down. You know, you have blood pressure issues, let's say. You shouldn't do a roll-on. Don't do it. If you do something that is uncomfortable, uncomfortable is okay. Pain, not okay. Do not do these if you have pain. So when you're rolling down and you go, uh, that feels uncomfortable or it feels like you can't move anymore. I'm okay with that. If you roll down and you get this sharp shooting pain, you go, okay, this one's not for me. I don't do this one. Don't, don't, do not do this. None of these really should do that. Most of these are pretty quiet, little easy things, but always, 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 always listen to your body. And the adage, no pain, no gain, Please erase it out of your brain. I don't don't like that. No hard work, no gain. Yes. No a little discomfort, no gain. Yes. No pain, no gain. No. <laughs> no. No, that makes um, sense. So we always mm. want to be, you know, super, super careful and really listen to our bodies. So, um, and then we have the last one. We've got we're we're to number ten. I can't believe it. So um, this is a really simple one. We're going to start with the ankles. You know, a lot of the crazy walking did a lot of the angles, ankle stretching, but we're going to actually think about the top of our ankles. So if, um, and you might want to hold on if you're a little unsteady, hold on to a desk or something, but let's, uh, if you're standing on your left foot, you can take your right foot and you're going to point your toe, your right toe behind you so that you're getting, uh, and then kind of press into your ankles. So you get a nice stretch on the whole top of your foot. We don't tend to think about needing to stretch that out, but again, our ankle actually kind of works like a, a gyroscope. It can move in all different directions. But so at the top of the foot and ankle is kind of stuck, then even if things work at the bottom, it's not going to work as well. So we need to make sure that we stretch out the top of that ankle. It's pretty simple to do. It may be difficult to do with riding boots on. You may want to do this one with, you know, whatever street shoes you came in with because your boots are going to kind of resist being able to top at that ankle. So I'm going to just do that on each side maybe a couple times. And that's it. So super simple. And then the wrist stretches, again, I think are important because Again, people type a lot. People get carpal tunnel. They do a lot of repetitive things with their hands. And in order for our wrists to be soft, they need to be 
supple. So what you're going to do, super easy, um, you're going to hold your right arm up in front of you with your elbow bent. You're going to let your hand flop forward. And you're going to take your left hand and you're going to just put a little bit of pressure on the top of your hand. So now you're getting a nice stretch across the top of your hand, top of your wrist, and down the outside of your forearm. And you're just going to hold that for a couple of seconds. And take a couple of nice then you're going to put your palm towards the ceiling. And with your left hand, you're going to put a little bit of pressure on your palm to your fingers. Now you're going to get a stretch on your palm, on the underside of your wrist, and on the inside of your forearm. And then you can, I usually just do it the front and the back. You could also do it side to side, but I don't think that that's that important. Then you're going to do some nice, easy wrist circles in both directions. Easy, easy. And then you're going to take your both hands. You can do this at the same time and make a super tight fist, as tight as you possibly can. And then you're going to spring your fingers forward. Or, I'm sorry, spring, spring them out. So really try to stretch them apart from one another. And then you're going to cl- close your fists and then spring apart. You're going to do that, I don't know, three or five times. And then the last thing you're going to do is to shake your hands out. Just really shake them, shake them, shake them, shake them. And with all of this, don't worry if you have some little pops and crack, crackles and all that kind of stuff. It, it's it's all good. You can't really hurt yourself doing this. So um, I won't worry about the bit of background noise then. <laughs> yeah, pops exactly. and crackles. don't worry about that. Yeah, pops and crackles and yeah, snap crackles and pops. Just just clarify though that when we made the fist, we made it an individual fist with both hands. Yes, I'm doing my right and my left hand together. I mean, I'm not, not, not holding each other, but one, the right one is doing a fist and the left one is doing a fist. And then you're springing both hands up. You can do one at a time. I just tend to want to be a little more efficient, so I do them both at the same. No, that makes sense. Gosh, I want to go ride my horse, right? I want to go ride. So Yes, I'm, I'm all warmed up, ready to go, so <laughs> might have a little Exactly. So, again, I, I, what I would tell people to do, you know, yeah, if you have time to do all these, great. I mean, super. But, again, most people are like, oh, my gosh, Jennifer, I don't have time to do all this. So find, go go through them and find the ones that make the most difference for you. Like I said, I always do my skipping. That one is an important one for me. My occipital one is important for me. I actually do my shoulder rolls. Well, I'm on my horse, but I don't have, I, I don't need to, but I've got a nice, where I can, you know, the reins, I'm on a long rein, and I do tend to do them on my horse, but I don't have to. So find the two or three that work for you, and um, oh, no, I like doing is a Tai Chi, Tai Chi circle, yes, I can um, say that well. Um, I, that is another good one for me, but people with tight hamstrings, that might be the one they go to, or ones that are a little, you know, they don't have good pelvic mobility, that might be the one. So find the one that, that works for you, uh, or two or three that work for you, and then go have a great ride. That sounds wonderful. Sounds very good. You know, I think this is a really good one to listen to on the way to the stables. And, and even, you know, just to do with the shoulder rolls, you know, drive the car and be doing your shoulder, shoulder rolls on the way out. While you're, um, you know, you get getting close, and you go right. I'll just do those shoulder rolls. I'll start that right now. Mm. Absolutely, 
And, you know, you can do that one. And, you know, I know you're supposed to keep both hands on the wheel, but you can do the occipital rub in the car. You can do the tight fists. You can grab on the steering wheel and then, you know, spring your fingers apart. There are some of these that Maybe you can. Maybe just one, one hand at a time with that one. <laughs> one hand at a time. Do that one one hand at a time, exactly. One hand at a time. So there there are a few that you can do. You can cheat a little on your way in. All right. Well, look, I, I think again, Jennifer, you know, thanks for coming on. Thanks for sharing your knowledge. And we love the fact that you're not only an expert at what you do with your body awareness, but you are also a writer, you know, and you really understand the two and the combination of the two. And I think that's just so important. Well, thank you very much again for having me. I love being on. I love talking to your um, folks. And uh, we'll have to do this again soon. Absolutely. We'll see you again next month. Okay. Bye-bye. All righty. Bye. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate, and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government-accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below 